dad is Poseidon, right? Like his dad is a thousand percent Poseidon. <laughs> he set sail across the Atlantic Ocean and never came back because he's the god of the sea, Percy. What's good? And welcome back to another episode of The Newest Olympian. My name is Mike Schubert. I am the titular Newest Olympian. I never read or knew basically anything about the Percy Jackson series before starting this podcast. And now I'm going through the series a couple chapters at a time. We are here joined again by the author of Sorted, the host of The Cocky Ride Home, Jackson Bird. Jackson, how is it going? It's going, going very well. I still feel like it's very appropriate for me to be here because of my name. It's like Jackson Bird, author of Sorted, Person who is named Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> the guests will exclusively be people with Jackson or Percy in their name. <laughs> no one else is allowed on the show. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be tough. You have like a, was it Percy the pig? You can have him on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thankfully, Jackson's a, a common enough last name where I could probably get a, a crop of people. <laughs> mm -hmm. I think you could do it. I believe in you. I'll try my darndest, but we'll see. We'll see. Or maybe this will just be a two episode podcast. It won't be. <laughs> Don't worry. We're going to make a million episodes. <laughs> there's so many things. There's like five books to start in this, but then there's like, I don't even know how many spinoffs he's done. Like, I can't even keep track of them. Yeah, this could go for a long time. You might have just signed on for life. As someone who this hopefully will continue to be my full-time job, this sounds good. <laughs> Percy Jackson and the pension plan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Percy Jackson and the Mike would like to buy a house one day. <laughs> I'm not just doing this for the money. I'm genuinely interested in covering this. I'm very fortunate that my job is I get to make fun of children's books for a living. Good thing I majored in mechanical engineering. So we're here to talk about chapters three and four of The Lightning Thief. Chapter three is called Grover Unexpectedly Loses His Pants, which every chapter title is so good. And I'm so glad I did not look at the table of contents. I try to not look at those when I'm doing these book-based things because I don't want you know, if chapter 20 is called, like, my best friend died, you know, I don't want any sort of spoiler there. And I'm just so glad I've made that choice because these chapter titles slap so hard. I and mean, this one's hilarious. I opened the book when we started recording and had to stop myself from laughing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, what is going to happen here? The chapter also starts very strong with Percy just ditching Grover at the bus station because Grover was being too sketchy. Not a wise decision for Percy, no. given what we will learn in this chapter and in chapter four. But a very funny thing for a 12-year-old kid to do. Apparently, Grover's bladder acts up when he's nervous. So when the bus stops, he goes to pee. And when he does, Percy just bolts, no pun intended, out of there. But pun welcome, even if not intended. So Percy gets in the cab and tells the cab driver to go to, and this is an exact quote, East 104th and 1st. Which first... Hold on, Percy. What kind of narc are you that you are calling it East 104th and 1st? Maybe because he's a kid, he's trying to be formal. Maybe he's a bit nervous getting into the cab. He's not that old. But if someone was actually from New York telling the cab driver where to go, they would say, just take me to 104th and 1st. The East and West thing, West 104th and 1st, 
doesn't exist. So to clarify that, and then putting in all the ands and the hyphens, I know Rick Reardon is from Texas, but I just thought this was funny that the way Percy asked it is the least New York way possible. Yeah, it felt very a little stilted to me as well. <laughs> mm-hmm. The other thing that this revealed to me is that Mrs. Jackson is not made of money because 104th and 1st is still in the Upper East Side, but not in the Upper East Side, said with a monocle and a pinky pointing out holding a cup of tea. That's still a good part of New York City to live in, but it's much more residential and not fancy pants, schmancy pants. So this reveal made the descriptions about Percy's mom make a bit more sense. And instead of her wearing an evening ball gown, I imagined her wearing jeans and a tank top, you know, like a regular person. (laughs) It's all coming together now. Everything makes sense now. But yeah, where she lives is probably like a 25 minute subway ride from the Met and it's a 35 40 minute walk so in other people's terms I think saying a bit uptown might be a bit of a stretch but also in my New York terms I love walking places in New York I have absolutely no qualms about a long walk if any walk is 40 minutes or less I'm okay with it I'm a 40 minute walk from Central Park where I am right now and I have friends meet me there all the time because I don't mind it there's something about walking in New York throwing on a podcast maybe uh one made by me Mike Schubert uh, and walking at the same time <laughs> That is just more enjoyable than a regular 20-minute walk or something. Podcasts, yeah, do definitely make the walk better. And I did actually listen to a Mike Schubert podcast while on a walk yesterday. So how about that? Oh, whoa, which one? Potterless. (laughs) Oh, I've heard good things about that show. Too bad it's dead. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, Percy gets back in my good graces because he has an entire separate aside about his mom where he says, quote, before you meet her and then opens with, Her name is Sally Jackson, and she's the best person in the world. It's so good. Gah! Amazing! It's so good! It's so wholesome and cute and adorable, and I just can't help but smile when I read this book. There's some backstory given about Sally Jackson. Her parents died young. She was raised by her uncle, who did not care for her much. She's an aspiring writer, so she studied it in college, but she dropped out to care for her uncle, who got cancer. And when he passed, she had no money no family, and no diploma. The best thing that happened to her was meeting Percy Jackson's dad. And it's talked about vaguely where you don't know if he's gone or he's dead, but you will learn a little bit more about his dad in a second. They were never married, but Percy says that he was rich and important and their relationship was a secret. And she has no photos of him and she doesn't like to talk about him because it makes her sad. So I've not read far enough to know the answer to this, but His dad is Poseidon, right? Like, his dad is a thousand percent Poseidon. There's no way there's anything else. Come on. He's rich and important, and the relationship was a secret. Oh, what's the next thing? How did his dad get lost? He set sail across the Atlantic Ocean and never came back? Yeah, because he's the god of the sea, Percy. Maybe this will be my Ludo Bagman moment, where in Potterless, I predicted that Ludo Bagman was a bad guy, and he was certainly not. Maybe I'm about to look very silly, but I'm also ready to put my foot in the sand here and say that Percy Jackson's dad is Poseidon and we're going to see what happens but I am fully convinced and I don't know the answer yet but I'm excited. (laughs) I do have to say like from Percy's perspective I feel like everything his mom is telling him about his dad is the kind of thing where like Percy's just getting at the age to be like wait that's a bunch of BS right? Like mm -hmm. he was probably a deadbeat. He wasn't rich and important and famous and you had the secret. That is exactly the kind of thing that parents tell their kids in in difficult situations. Spoiler alert for anyone who believes in certain holiday based things. 
I was 13 years old when I learned that Santa was not real. And then I asked my mom about all the other ones. And that's when I learned it. So yeah, 12 feels like just about the right age. You got to 13? I think I got to sixth or seventh grade. Yeah. Wow. I was a lot later than the people in my school. I did go to a Catholic K-8 school. So maybe since you're taught to believe in God, so you're also taught to believe in Santa Claus, I guess. I don't know. Believing was kind of like a thing I did. (laughs) On the tough streets of public school, the the kids just, you know, dispelled things for you much earlier on. Actually, no, I was 11. It was Christmas 2002 when I found out I had gotten a PlayStation 2 and one of the video games that I got for it was from Santa. And I remember I came upstairs from my basement in New Jersey and my mom was like, oh, you having fun? And I was like, yeah, this video game's great. And she goes, oh, you're welcome. I'm glad you like it. And I was like, but Santa got me Jack too. And very quick, I was like, mom, are you and dad Santa? And she said, yes. And then I was like, and you're all, you're the tooth fairy and the Easter bunny too, right? And she was like, yeah. <laughs> all in one go, bing, bang, boom. Uh, but yeah, I think that's a good point. It's like, he's probably just at the age where he would be given the truth. I'm assuming he's going to get it very soon, but Based on what happens in these next two chapters. Well, it does make me wonder as well, like, I know this is just Greek mythology, and I think they even address this later. They're like, oh, religion, that's a whole other thing. We're just talking about Greek mythology. But like, does Santa and the Tooth Fairy and the Easter Bunny exist in this world? I would be so excited to see if they cover that, because that was always my biggest thing with the wizarding world, was that they got Christian holidays, and people told me that this is just a British thing, blah, blah, blah. But, I mean... Was Jesus a wizard? (laughs) Absolutely. Jesus and Santa, I think, absolutely had to have been wizards. (laughs) So apparently Sally Jackson took night classes to get her diploma. She never, ever got mad at PJ, even though he knows he was not the easiest kid to deal with. And Sally Jackson is just a saint. She is reminding me of my grandpa, who we called Pop Pop, who I only saw get mad exactly once In my entire life, it was not even him getting that mad. So, uh, just, I really like Miss Jackson a whole lot. She seems like a true delight. Sally then later married a guy named Gabe Ugliano, which I'm assuming Rick made his name have ugly in it (laughs) just to try to really drive home how much Gabe sucks, which he does. Mm -hmm. Percy says he was nice for the first 30 minutes that they knew him, and then he became a world-class jerk. Oh, no, no, no. Mine says first 30 seconds, which I only correct because how much worse is that? I do wonder why... She married Gabe. I have not learned yet based on what I've read if there was some upon high reason for her doing so. And maybe it's just Percy being an exaggerating 12 year old by saying the first 30 seconds. Maybe things were good in the first year of their marriage or whatever. But Percy just straight up hates him. He calls him Smelly Gabe, which I love. And from this moment on, I will only refer to Smelly Gabe as Smelly Gabe on principle. He cannot be anything else. (laughs) (laughs) And even after calling him Smelly Gabe, narrator Percy says, I'm sorry, but it's the truth. The guy reeked like moldy garlic pizza wrapped in gym shorts. And Percy is just my guy. These insults are so good. Oh, really liking Percy a whole heck of a lot. So Percy gets home. Smelly Gabe is playing poker with ESPN blasting in the background, smoking a cigar. And that explains why he is smelly, because cigars, especially the type of cigars 
the cheap cigars that people smoke in New York smell so bad, really, really bad. There's a very nice park near me and Kelly's apartment here in New York. And unfortunately, there is a group of old dudes that like to sit in the park and smoke cigars. And I hate them so much because then I can no longer enjoy the park because the entire park smells like butt. <laughs> so Percy asks where his mom is and Smelly Gabe says that she's working. And then Smelly Gabe asks if Percy has any cash on him. I already didn't like Smelly Gabe. Now I like Smelly Gabe even less. Yeah, this is like so suspicious. Like what? It gets even worse. He's got one of those George Costanza comb overs where he's trying to trick people into thinking that he isn't bald and he drinks beer all the time. He continues. He hounds Percy for money because when Percy says he doesn't have any money, Smelly Gabe says, well, you took a cab. You probably have this much change. Come on. Percy is 12 years old. Come on, Smelly Gabe. Jeez. Percy, as the narrator says, that it's this thing that Smelly Gabe always does. He tries to keep it as this guy secret that he takes money from Percy, who is a 12-year-old child. So Percy eventually gives in and hands over the money. He says he hopes Gabe loses, and he goes to his room, which Gabe turns into his study when Percy is at school, which, man... It took four sentences, and I already just wish death upon Smelly Gabe. I cannot stand this dude. He's the worst. I don't know if he's going to come back as a recurring character. I don't know if it's going to be a Dursley thing where he shows up in the beginning and the end of every book, but I hate Smelly Gabe a lot. Agreed. Thankfully, though... Mama Jackson is back, and she works at a candy shop in Grand Central Terminal because of course she does. Amazing. How wholesome. She brings home a giant bag of free samples for Percy to eat. Just, oh, what a wonderful mother. I love Sally Jackson so much. Yeah, like a perfect mom who always smells like candy. <laughs> uh-huh. She can't get any better, and Smelly Gabe cannot get any worse. I really don't get it. I do not get it. Why did the two of them ever end up together? I hope that there is some explanation where Zeus said that you gotta do this, but I don't know. I don't know if Smelly Gabe's gonna become important, but I hate that they're married. I just want them to get a divorce, and Sally could just marry anyone else. So Sally and Percy talk about the semester. Smelly Gabe from the other room then asks for bean dip. Ugh. Get out of here, Smelly Gabe. <laughs> Mama Jackson then has a surprise, and the surprise is that they're going up to Montauk, which is a very nice part of Long Island. Some would argue the only nice part of Long Island <laughs> for a three-day cabin stay, which this is very nice. Like, this is genuinely a cool thing that I have not done in New York yet. I've realized that I need to start getting fancy, rich New York friends. Oh, yeah. I have not been invited up to the Hamptons yet, and I have not been invited up to Montauk yet, and no one's taken me on a boat yet. Mm. And this has been hampered by, for the past year and a half, I haven't been able to meet rich, fancy New York people, but I need to acquire rich, fancy New York friends. <laughs> My goal was always, I wanted to be friends with someone who had an apartment that had like a view of when the ball drops oh, or like of yeah, Macy's yeah, yeah. parade. So it's like, you don't have to go to those things. You can right, be at a, like right, a nice right. fun party all night, but you can look out the window and see it. I will say when the world is 
normal again and we feel safe to do so, you can see the Empire State Building from my kitchen, Whoa, which is really cool. cool. And you can see the Freedom Tower from my roof. So come on over and we'll have a good time and look at stuff. And, you know, we can look up, we'll go on my favorite website, which is the schedule calendar for what the lights are going to look like for the Empire State Building. <laughs> and we will have a watch party because they do some cool things. They did a thing where it was, they matched it to like Beatles songs and you could play them on a local radio station. And then they did a light show on the ESB timed up with the song. Oh, and it wow. was really cool. Yeah, it was some cool stuff. That's a major upgrade. It was maybe like, gosh, almost 10 years ago now that I think they uh, updated the lights so that they could do cool stuff like that. Uh, the view from my kitchen is the back of someone's place in Queens, which is where uh -huh. Smelly Gabe works. So <laughs> That's Smelly Gabe. So not long after, Smelly Gabe comes in saying, hey, did you hear me asking for bean dip and just... Get lost, Smelly Gabe. So the mom says that they're going on the trip and Gabe says, oh, re like a real thing that's happening? And then he double checks and says, the money that you're using for this trip is coming out of your clothes budget, right? And she says, yes. And he's like, and you're only going to take the car directly there and back, right? She says, yes. This dude sucks so much. Yeah. So Sally, to kind of sweeten the deal, says, not only will I make you bean dip, but I will make you seven layer dip and I'll make you enough that you can eat it all weekend. So Sally just playing her cards expertly. But Smelly Gabe makes Percy apologize for interrupting the poker game. So Percy does in a very, very, very half-acid way, <laughs> which is great. And then they leave. So mom also has similar to Grover level of concern vibes going on, and we'll see why. But Gabe's car is a 1978 Camaro, and I hate that Gabe has something good going for him. But of course, he would be one of those guys that spends his money on a car and then can't afford to spend his money on, you know, being nice to his wife and stuff. But I mean, a 78 Camaro is like, I'm not a car person, but like, that's a cool car. Yeah. I personally am not the type to spend a lot of money on cars because I don't understand spending a lot of money on things that other humans could destroy. Like, have you seen humans drive before? What? <laughs> this is what I was going to say. Is he just like parking that on the street in Manhattan? No New York? Way. Come on, dude. Like... From a safety perspective, from a your car's going to get wrecked perspective, from a parking in Manhattan costs so much money perspective, having a 78 Camaro is just not a smart life decision for someone living in Manhattan. Mm -hmm. Gabe then warns Percy to not get a scratch on the car and narrator Percy says, oh, like I'd be the one driving, which is great. Then Percy mimics a hand motion that he saw Grover do back on the bus when the evil old ladies were there. And it is as if you put a claw on your heart and then you make a shoving motion. So he does this and then makes the shoving motion towards Gabe. And then the door slams shut on his butt and it sends him flying up the stairs. So now Percy might also have wind powers? I'm very intrigued to see where Percy's magic lies. But all we know right now is that maybe he can control water, and maybe he can control wind, and I'm excited. So they get up to the cabin. Narrator Percy explains that they've been going here ever since he was a baby, and his mom has been going there even longer, and it's where Sally and 
His dad, Poseidon, met because, of course, he's the god of the sea. Mm. So they eat almost exclusively blue food because Smelly Gabe, and I'm very sorry if I didn't call Smelly Gabe full Smelly Gabe. I'm realizing that in my notes, I sometimes have him as Gabe. I want to make sure that I'm always calling him Smelly Gabe, his full legal name. Yeah, use his full name, Mike. Of Smelly Gabe. Because apparently Smelly Gabe and Sally once got into an argument where Smelly Gabe said that blue food food doesn't exist. There's literally something called blue berries. Smelly Gabe is not bright. This dude sucks. (laughs) There is like a whole thing about like blueberries are actually purple and like they've done all these experiments on like people don't like blue food. There's this famous thing called like the blue steak experiment where they put people in a dark room and gave them like a delicious meal of like steak and mashed potatoes. Then they turned the lights on and people saw it was blue and they like threw up and stuff. (laughs) dweebs. There's a slight basis to it, but in this day and age, there is so much blue food. Yes. The only ones that I could think of, they brought up, which is blueberries, blue colored candy, but then also blue corn tortilla chips. Which are the best. Highly recommend if you are ever in the situation where you can get an enchilada made with blue corn tortillas, Mm. you should do that because that is very, very good. If you get like a New Mexico style blue corn tortilla enchilada, That'd make Grover run so fast. (laughs) It truly would. So to spite Smelly Gabe, they eat exclusively blue food. And this is Percy explaining that every now and then his mom gets a bit rebellious. And it's great. I like it a lot. Yeah, I love that detail. This is the fact that like he said it once and she's like, fine. All we do now is eat blue food. Mm -hmm. She bakes blue cakes all the time. She gets blue candy. It's fantastic. So Percy asks about his dad. And actually, this time, his mom says a bit more about him. Says he was tall, Poseidon, handsome, Poseidon, powerful, Poseidon, and gentle too, not Poseidon. I'm a bit worried when she says gentle. But she says green eyes and black hair like Percy's black hair. So that feels Poseidon-y. I don't know. In Little Mermaid, I think he was like blonde, white hair. Uh (laughs) King Trident isn't Poseidon, is he? I mean, he kind of is, but he's also not. Is he not? He's King Triton. I don't know. I haven't really seen The Little Mermaid, I don't think. I mean... It's fine. I'm excited for the new one where... There's a new one? So they're doing a live action one and they've cast... Hallie from Chloe and Hallie, the R&B duo. As Ariel. And I'm very excited. And I'm also very excited because a lot of white people are like, you can't cast a black woman as Ariel. Like, how is she going to have red hair? Like, uh... She's a mermaid. Yeah. Like, I love when people are like, the realism of this movie. (laughs) Uh, It's so absurd. But... I want to see people I don't like be angry, so I'm rooting for this movie so hard. Yeah, now I am too, absolutely. But I think you're right. His name was like Trident or something. I remembered Trident. It was like Poseidon, so I thought the dad was Poseidon. (laughs) David Diggs is Sebastian. What? Mm -hmm, Pretty sweet. Javier Barden is King Triton. Oh, Triton, not Trident. But he has a Trident, so it's very confusing. Right, right, right. Melissa McCarthy is Ursula. Very sad that they did not cast Lizzo. Oh, yeah, Lizzo would have been great. I do like Melissa McCarthy, though. Big Gilmore Girls fan. But yes, I'm excited for live-action Little Mermaid, if not only because racist people will be mad if it proves to be successful. (laughs) Sally continues that they were together for one summer, and he had to leave before Percy was born. And that really feels like some Greek god stuff right there. Oh, like, yeah. that feels super Greek god-ish. But Percy feels like he has a memory of something of his dad. He's surprised to hear his mom say that he left before he was born, because Percy's got some sort of memory of a smile and a warm glow, just something. 
Percy asks about what they're going to do for school. And his mom says that he thought Yancey would be, quote, far enough away to keep him safe. Percy asks, safe from what? And the narrator PJ recaps the scary encounters. There apparently was a stalking person that is definitely a cyclops in third grade. And then a snake slithered into a cot he was sleeping in as a toddler. And then Percy wrangled the snake to death. Pretty sweet stuff from toddler Percy Jackson. Yeah, no kidding. His mom says that they warned her that keeping Percy close would be bad, and it seems like the only option is to send Percy to where his father desired, a summer camp, which I didn't know this was coming. A camp book? That's so good! I had no idea! It has become such a big deal in the fandom. There is a camp, like a real camp, that's sort of themed around the books and stuff. And at least where I'm at in this reread so far, I think I'm remembering that it's not as big of an element as I thought it was going to be. But like, if you didn't know it was coming at all, super cool. I had no clue. Absolutely none. I think it's very cool. I will see how he goes about his magic stuff. But after reading a whole bunch of books about a magical school, I would be very excited about a magical camp. If he goes to school, eventually fine. But I think magic camp is very fun. It'll be cool. They're going to eat magic marshmallows and make magic s'mores and ride magic canoes. I'm excited. (laughs) Hello, and welcome to the now-named Midroll Break. This Midroll Break now has a name thanks to Dave, who is at DavePlaysBase on Twitter. Dave suggested that we call the Midroll Break here the Lightning Brief, which I think is perfect. Thank you, Dave. So yes, now the mid-roll break. We only had it without a name for one episode because now we've got the lightning brief. Welcome, everyone, to the lightning brief. First order of business, thank you all to everyone who has listened to the show and subscribed to it on their preferred podcasting apps. And thanks to the folks who have either talked about it online or sent me a really nice email or rated it on Apple Podcasts. All of those things have really helped the show grow and helped more people find out about the show. So if you are so inclined to either tweet about it or post it on Instagram or review it on Apple Podcasts, I would very much appreciate it. And it really does help the show in its early stages to find an audience. And the bigger the audience, the better the book club is. So let's get a whole bunch of nerds in the mix. Next, if you are familiar with some of the other podcasts that I make, I have some live shows coming up for them in September. And then I won't be doing a lot of shows for the foreseeable future because of the world. I've canceled future shows. But before we go out, there is a Potterless live show on September 18th in Boston, Massachusetts. And there is a Meddling Adults live show on September 22nd in person in New York City but also streamed digitally live. If you want to get tickets to that Boston Potterless show, you can go to potterlesspodcast.com slash live. And if you want to get in-person or virtual tickets to the Meddling Adults show, you can go to bit.ly slash meddlingadultsnyc, all lowercase. Now I'd like to take some time to thank the folks who are already supporting the show on Patreon and making it possible. And again, we have the beautiful problem of so many new people have joined that it'll take a million years to say all of them, so we're spreading them out through the episodes. So in this episode, I want to thank all of the people who have joined at the Mega God tier. At the Mega God tier, you get access to all of the previous tiers perks, such as stickers and access to the Discord and a shout out in the episode, but you also get an enamel pin, a personalized handwritten postcard, and you get access to monthly live streams where I do a 
video Q&A with the patrons of that tier and above, just talking about what's going on in the show, answering any questions that you may have, whether they are about the podcast or just about life in general, and it's a very fun time. So our current roster of mega gods includes Julia Rose, Mark Body, Sarah Shetter, Thanos Kuvaros, Peter McGrath, Michelle Spurgeon, Kate, Hannah Langswert, Nicole Abbey, Sarah Kridanoff, Eric Diaz, Annabelle Yan, Jeremy Ray, Flano, Mackenzie Hubbard, Stephanie Towner, Sean Llewelly, and Deadly Kitten. And I also want to thank the newest members of our highest tier, the producer-level patron tier, the Ultra God tier. Our newest Ultra Gods are Aiden Lippold, Josh Sayre, Percy Blue, and Joshua Wilke. If you want to support the show, you want some sweet bonus content, and you want to see what all the different tiers get you, you can head on over to thenewestolympian.com slash Patreon. And if you do support, I really do appreciate it. And thank you so much to everyone who has supported already. Also, if you are all caught up on The News Olympian and you're looking for a new podcast to listen to, I make a whole bunch of podcasts. I'm an independent podcast boy. I think you would enjoy some of the other shows that I make. One of the ones I think you'd enjoy is Meddling Adults. Meddling Adults is a game show charity podcast where I host and guests compete to solve children's mysteries from classics like Scooby-Doo and Encyclopedia Brown for charity. The winner earns money for a charity of their choosing. We've raised a bunch of money already so far. There's a bunch of episodes you can already listen to if you search for Meddling Adults wherever you get your podcasts. Or you can go to meddlingadults.com and you can play along at home and see if you can outwit the guests or even the detectives themselves. So that's Meddling Adults. Listen to wherever you get your podcasts. And now you're going to hear words from a few sponsors who make it feasible for me to be a full-time podcaster. Some of these ads will be read by me. Others of them won't. The ones that are not read by me are inserted locally. So if you live internationally, don't be surprised if you hear an ad in your country's native language. This episode of The New Olympian is brought to you by Thrive Market. Now, at Camp Half-Blood, they are cooking up a whole bunch of fun stuff at the cafeteria. But we never really hear about where they supply all of the things for the cafeteria. I'm not sure where they get their stuff, but you know where they should get their stuff? Thrive Market. Thrive can be your go-to for all of your grocery and household essentials, and it has been my go-to. I've got a bunch of stuff from Thrive now, and I genuinely enjoy all of it. I've got Thrive trash bags, dishwashing detergent, snacks, rice, beans, things that wash my dishes, like scrub brushes and stuff. They have a lot of really great deals. I've been capitalizing on those deals, and I have truly been enjoying using Thrive Market. I love a lot of things about Thrive. I love that they only allow trusted, top-quality ingredients while restricting harmful ingredients like artificial flavors, high-fructose corn syrup, and more. And whether you are looking for organic kid snacks, high-protein essentials, whatever it is, you can curate your own shopping experience with a few clicks. They've got all these different filters and stuff like that, different categories. I utilize those when I was looking for particular items, and it was really easy to navigate the site. I always have a simple time finding what I'm looking for. And it's not just saving time, I'm saving money as a Thrive Market member. I'm looking at my stats right now, my average savings per order are $34.98. On my last order, I saved almost $50, and I got a whole bunch of things for my pantry. I got hand soap refills, I got chicken broth, I got rice, I got beans, I got kitchen towels, it was great. Save time and money and shop Thrive Market today. Go to thrivemarket.com TNO for 30% off your first order, plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash TNO, thrivemarket.com slash TNO, so you can be as well-stocked as the Camp Half-Blood cafeterias are today. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. 
This episode of The New Olympian is brought to you by Straight River Coffee. If you've been listening to The New Olympian and you're thinking, my goodness, I would love to pair this podcast with a nice warm cup of joe, but not just any nice warm cup of joe, but specifically TNO branded coffee. Well, you are in luck because TNO coffee exists. That's right. We have partnered with Straight River Coffee, which is a small independent business that is made up of folks who listen to The New Olympian and we have teamed up to make TNO coffee. So there is a specific roast from Straight River coffee called Anacluz Roast. I came up with the name. I think it's very good. And you can get a one pound bag of coffee from them if you go to the newsolympian.com slash merch. I'm not a coffee drinker, but multiple people have told me that the coffee tastes very good and smells incredible. And here's the description of the coffee from Straight River. Sourced from the finest fair trade beans, our collaborative blend boasts flavor notes of nutty caramel and rich chocolate, ensuring each sip transports you to a realm of excitement and wonder. It's cool. The bags were also made by an environmentally friendly bag company and the art design on the bags, which yes, is a pigeon drinking a cup of coffee. Those were made by another independent artist, Ava Hess, who does some incredible artwork as well. So it's a bunch of small businesses and independent creators teaming up to make this coffee happen. And it's really cool. And it also ships free internationally. So it doesn't matter if you live in the US or not the US. The price listed is the price. No extra shipping fees. It's super cool. And you can get a pound of this wonderful coffee delivered to you or multiple, I think. You can probably get more than one bag. I don't know. But go to thenewsolympian.com slash merch. Scroll down, click the link about the coffee, and then boom, you can get some Anacluz roast in your cup today. And then you can perfectly pair TNO coffee with your TNO podcast. So Mama Jackson is worried because it could mean saying goodbye to Percy for good. And that night... PJ has a dream of a white horse and a golden eagle fighting. There's a voice beneath the earth that chuckles and encourages them to fight harder. Percy tries to intervene as the eagle goes for the horse's eyes, and then Percy wakes up. I don't know what this means, but it feels super Greek. I know. I was like, this has got to be a recounting of some classic tale that I just can't remember. Or like, is the eagle associated with Zeus? Is a horse associated with like... Poseidon or Hades or something like I don't know we need your consultant all of the Greek listeners and all of the Greek mythology buffs out there are screaming at their phones yep. and driving their cars off the road and I would remind you that not only am I someone that has never read these books before but I'm also someone that never took a Greek history class the closest I got was taking a lot in high school <laughs> I do think also the snake thing him being a toddler and like strangling the snake because like Perseus and Medusa, is that a thing? That is a thing, but Snake feels very Greek villainous. Like, it feels on brand. Oh, yeah. The wild New York weather continues because here's a hurricane. Percy says... This is strange because hurricanes never come this early to Long Island. And maybe this is Texas Rick, but how often do hurricanes ever come to Long Island? It feels like a... I know like tropical storms and stuff will come northeast very often, but I feel like an actual legit hurricane is a once every couple of years thing. Every couple of years, but it is usually like September, October when it does happen. Right, yeah. So this feels like Rick from a state where hurricane every year, Texas, (laughs) felt like a little bit of that bleeding out. And uh, another surprising thing, Grover's here, but not exactly Grover. What was the chapter title again? Oh, where is Pat? (laughs) so mama jackson then is realizing that there's some serious stuff going down asks percy why he didn't tell her what happened at school and then grover curses in ancient greek but then he goes on to say something is right behind him and oh percy 
understood his ancient Greek rambling, cursing, whatever. So Percy Jackson is a Greek soul tongue? (laughs) (laughs) And this is where we learn, as the title says, Grover's not wearing any pants, but where his legs should be are, narrator Percy doesn't tell us, come on, narrator Percy, can't leave us on the line like this. Mama Jackson gets stern for the first time ever and demands that PJ tell her what happened, and he does, and his mom says, get to the car, both of you. And this is now where we finally learn that Grover has cloven hooves. Oh, is Grover also a centaur? And now we get into chapter four. My mother teaches me bullfighting. (laughs) What a quality chapter title. Four for four. So they're driving through some dark country roads in the pouring rain, and Percy asks Grover, you and my mom know each other? Which, correct question to ask Percy. Well done. Grover says that they've never met in person, but she knew that he was watching over PJ, and PJ then bumps on watching over, and Grover corrects to keeping tabs, but he reassures that their friendship is genuine. I am actually your friend. It's not a lie. That's nice. That's good to get that little reassurance. It's really good. I really like that Grover said it. I I really like Grover a whole lot. Mm -hmm. Percy then asks, what are you? And Grover says, that's not important right now. And Percy says, uh, you look like a donkey from the waist down. My guy, like, I feel like this is important. Grover lets out a laugh that sounds like a bleat, which makes a whole lot more sense now since he's, you know, half goat. Yeah, goat, by the way, Mm -hmm. so offended to be called a donkey. Yeah, Grover then corrects and says, I am a goat from the waist down. And Percy says, I thought you said it doesn't matter. And Grover then bleat laughs again and says that there are satyrs that would trample him under hoof for such an insult. And again, from my Hades video game experience... I know that satyrs are a thing. Uh, I don't know exactly what they are. They are just bad guys you have to kill and are very annoying in Hades the video game. And they're kind of gross animal-like creatures. Maybe they're nice, but my limited experience is boo, satyrs are bad, and you have to defeat them before you fight the final boss. (laughs) Wasn't Mr. Tumnus a satyr? Yeah, I think that's what it might be. So I don't think satyr explicitly means bad person this is my very limited greek experience (laughs) i just like the whole time you're you're raging off on how bad satyrs are i'm just thinking of like mr tumnus with his rosy cheeks giving tea to the little kids in narnia (laughs) (laughs) maybe satyr just means like your bottom parts an animal goat yeah or goat yeah maybe uh, i think that might be what it be because also the in the hercules cartoon the little angry danny devito trainer that he has Uh phil 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 yeah so percy says oh satyrs like in mr brunner's myths and grover says no they're real was mrs dodds a myth and percy you could call him a one-hit wonder from the 80s because he goes aha you admit it they are real the mrs dodds thing did happen grover says yes but i had to lie to you because the less Percy knew, the better, and also the fewer monsters that would come to try to attack you. So as Grover then says a very ominous line about Percy realizing who he really is, he also mentions that, quote, the Lord of the Dead and his minions are after Percy. So this makes me think, is Hades getting into the mix? What is Hades going to be like? I would be very intrigued if he becomes a character because my two experiences with Hades are sassy wordsmith Hades from Hercules, the Disney movie, and then big, deep voice, grumpy dad Hades from Hades, the video game, which are very different interpretations. So I'm very interested to see what Hades would be like in this series. Now, Sally from the driver's seat now yells Grover, and Grover says, 
sorry, Miss Jackson. And of course, while reading this, I screamed, oh, I am for real. Like, <laughs> yeah. if you're going to put sorry, Miss Jackson consecutively, like, come on, Rick, you know exactly what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So Grover continues saying you got to drive faster. And mom says that they are going to the summer camp because Percy's in danger. And Percy goes, what? Because some old ladies cut some yarn? And Grover says, those weren't old ladies. Those were the fates. So Grover says that the fates only do that when someone's about to die. So then Mama Jackson driving swerves away from something chasing them and then later swerves again, but they crash into a ditch because of a giant lightning bolt, Percy thinks. So uh, Zeus is getting into the mix maybe now. I mean, the Mm. weather is like big lightning stuff. So it could just be the thunderstorm. This figure that was chasing them approaches the car and it is a huge dude. And as you said in the last episode, his top half is described as just being bulky and ripped, but fuzzy. And then it looks like he has a towel over the top of his head. Mom then points to a big tree, which is a property line where Percy needs to run. And she just says, you gotta go. The figure gets closer and closer. Now he appears to have horns. And Percy insists, I'm not going. You two gotta come with me. And his mom doesn't want to let him do it. But he's like, look, I'm not going without you guys. So his mom says, fine. They help Grover and they start making their way there. Percy continues to describe the figure as basically being a bull on the top half, but then the bottom half is just a ripped dude, just big muscly legs. And then he's wearing tidy whities This is very interesting. (laughs) Just a very, very interesting person to run into. So they say it's Pacifae's son, the Minotaur. My only knowledge of the Minotaur is Asterius, who's in the video game, are you familiar with either the Minotaur or Pacifae's son? No, Pacifae, I mean, maybe I had read it at some point. The Minotaur, definitely. Like, the whole labyrinth thing, like, getting locked up in the labyrinth, because then that's when you get into Daedalus and Icarus. But uh, the Minotaur, I think, was cursed by the gods, started as a man, or a god, demigod, I don't know, something, but then got cursed to be, like, half bull and trapped in the labyrinth, I think. So, Percy is about to say his name, but... Mom stops him because names have power. So they keep heading towards the giant tree that is at this property line, and they're remaining quiet because the Minotaur goes by smell, and he chucks the Camaro, just throws it, and the gas tank explodes, and then Percy remembers Smelly Gabe saying, not a scratch, and Percy thinks, oops. (laughs) Yeah, a little late for that. (laughs) Oh, so fantastic. Sally tells Percy that once the Minotaur sees them, he will charge at them, and her advice is to wait until the last second and lunge directly sideways since he can't change directions very quickly. And this is the exact strategy that you have to use when fighting the Minotaur in Hades the video game, so I feel very much at home here. (laughs) Which came first? Do you know the video game or the Percy Jackson books? Oh, Hades the video game came out like last year. Oh, Uh, (laughs) I thought this was something you played as like a teenager. Oh no, I played as a grown adult. I got it when it was on sale in the fall of 2020 and I played it quite a bit and I'm very good at the game and I highly recommend it to anyone especially if you like games like Kingdom Hearts it is very fun they are not paying me to say this but it's really cool and the story is really good and they even have multiple ways of basically making the game have an easy mode so if you just want to get through the story and you're bad at video games that's me yeah you can put on a thing called God Mode where it already starts as easy and then basically every time you lose you get a little 
bit stronger. Hmm. So it makes it easier for you. So if you just want to go through the story, because the story is very, very well done. I highly recommend it. It's super fun. And I am very happy to nerd out about this game because I've logged literally hundreds of hours into it. It is so much fun. <laughs> oh, man. I love the when you lose, you get stronger. What a concept, because that's real life. Ah, yeah. I mean, it's a roguelike video game. So that's already built into the game. But then also you can turn on the god mode where it like accelerates that a little bit. Amazing. The bull man is now here. So they got to separate. He charges after Percy. He does the maneuver. And his mom then puts down Grover and starts heading down the hill to try to lead the Minotaur away from them. And unfortunately, the Minotaur chases after her, grabs her by the neck. And while she's grabbed by the neck, she again tells Percy, go. And then the Minotaur closes his fist around her neck and she melts into a shimmering golden form. And after a flash is gone. So I don't know if she's dead. I don't know if she teleported. I don't know what's going on. I don't know if she has godlike abilities. I really hope that Mrs. Jackson is not dead. I'm very scared and I'm very worried, but I have no idea what's happening. It's so tough. Like, it feels like, taking back to Harry Potter again, when Sirius Black, spoiler, um, but like fell through the veil. And I just remember reading that and being like, so what does that mean? Is he in another room? Like what? Yep. And then, and then you keep reading, you're like, wait, he died? What? Thankfully, the next chapter in that Harry Potter book is Lupin just telling Harry, no, he's dead, dude. Yeah. He's like super dead. So it really like clears out all of that. I'll see if we get that in chapter five. <laughs> So the Minotaur goes after Grover, and Percy then gets the same angry fuel energy from the Dodds event, and he rips off his red rain jacket and yells, Hey, stupid, ground beef. Love a bad insult. Ground beef. Mm -hmm. Very, very fun. And I like... As someone who also gets channeled by anger, especially when I'm playing sports, I feel a real connection to Percy. One of the best basketball games I ever played in my life was after a girl dumped me, and then I was very mad, and then I took the court, and I just destroyed. <laughs> so I like that Percy's kind of trademark thing is, okay, I'm pissed off, now I'm going to wreck shop. <laughs> I like it. I have the most musical theater version of that. <laughs> yes, yes, please. <laughs> I got cheated on the night before a voice recital, and I had a song that was basically about that. And that is, I am not a good singer. That is the only singing performance I've ever done that I'm proud of. I brought it. Let's go. That is a way better way to channel getting cheated on, because when I was cheated on, I took the phone after the phone call when my girlfriend <laughs> told me, and I tried to throw it across the room, have it land in my reading chair which was a big cushiony chair and I didn't really hit it and it skipped off the top and then just wedged into the drywall in my bedroom <laughs> so not satisfied not good at all <laughs> Percy then in an unprecedented move uses his red jacket like he is a toreador <laughs> a Spanish bullfighter and waves it just oh amazing it's so great it's so great and at first when narrator Percy said his jacket was red, I was like, okay, unnecessary to say the color of your jacket. Now I understand why it's very necessary. <laughs> I had the same thought. I was like, this is like a very basic description here. Why are you throwing this in? Yeah, it's weird to describe the jacket and only give the color and not anything else. But now it makes sense. So the Minotaur chases at Percy. He knows he's not going to get out of the way, but time kind of slows down and he jumps and plants his foot on the Minotaur's head and then lands atop his neck. And Percy has no idea how he did this, but he did it. And then the Minotaur rams into the tree that Percy was standing in front of. Minotaur tries to buck Percy off and is unsuccessful. 
Grover yells for food again. So Grover had been yelling for food multiple times, and I didn't take notes about it. But now that he's yelled a third time, I don't know if how food and Grover interplays with each other. But I'll see. I also, I'm a very hungry boy. And when I am hungry, I become a different person. I kind of go into autopilot. I just go into like energy conservation mode and I'm less agreeable and bubbly because I'm just like trying to focus on not being hungry anymore. If Grover is fueled by food, I also will find some kinship with Grover. <laughs> this is Grover having a Snickers commercial moment. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he, did, he didn't actually get too hurt. Throw him a Snickers bar and then he's in flight mode. He'll be ready. <laughs> oh, it's so good. So Grover and food, clearly some sort of thing, but we'll see what's up. But Percy, while riding on the neck of the Minotaur, snaps the horn off of the Minotaur. And the cover of the book that I have, he's holding a horn, and at first I thought, what is this, some sort of conch shell or something? No, it is the broken off horn of the Minotaur, which is infinitely cooler. That is so cool. (laughs) Snaps it off, and the reason he was able to do so is he got angry thinking about his mom and what the Minotaur did to him. So again, just anger fueling Percy, and I really like it. So the Minotaur then charges after Percy. He rolls out of the way and then jabs the horn into the side. Love this. What a cool move. And the Minotaur kind of stumbles and then crumbles into sand. It's very similar to the Dodds thing and very different from his mom's thing. So at this point, I'm wondering maybe there's a difference between how gods die. I don't know if his mom's been given God abilities by making love to Poseidon, of course, but maybe there's a difference between the good guys and the bad guys. Maybe they're not actually dead. Maybe they come back to life. That's at least the thing that happens in Hades. The video games like, I don't really know what's going on, but the Minotaur disappears. So many questions. So many questions that you can't answer. I've put you in such a fun spot as I will put every guest. I get to just ask questions to the sky because you can't spoil me. So the rain then stops, and PJ gets Grover, and they continue on. He gets to a porch, he collapses, and he sees the faces of a familiar-looking bearded man and a pretty girl who has blonde, curly hair like a princess, and then he passes out. And she says, he's the one, he must be. And then the bearded guy replies, silence, Annabeth. Annabeth is not ringing any Greek bells for me at all. I don't know if this is supposed to be some sort of guy, but I've got nothing here. And the bearded guy continues. He's still conscious. Bring him inside. I don't know who these people are, but that's the end of chapter four. And it's also the end of this episode of The Newest Olympian. So Jackson, how do you feel about these two chapters and where we are in this journey four chapters into The Lightning Thief? So much is starting to happen. Mm-hmm. Oh man, so many things. I do want to note your theory, which could be another Ludo Bagman. You could be totally off here. But on your theory about Percy's potential father, you should track like when it starts raining and when it stops raining in this Ooh, chapter. Ooh, ah. How does that correspond with how Percy's feeling? Okay, I'll have to look. I was not reading between the lines there. I just noticed that the rain was starting and stopping, but that's very interesting. Ooh, I like this. But yeah, I mean, I'm fully convinced that his dad is Poseidon. We'll see what happens. We'll see if I'm wrong. But <laughs> thank you so much for joining Jackson. If people want to find you doing stuff, where can they find you doing stuff? Uh, you can follow me at Jackson Not a Bird on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter. I'm also the host of the daily podcast, The Kotki Ride Home, which is just a 15 minute hit of cool things that happen in the world that day. And also the author of the book Sorted, which is about me growing up 
and kind of Harry Potter a little bit. <laughs> I wanted to throw out one quick thing before we go, which is, are you aware that there was a Broadway musical about this? Yes. Yeah. I've heard people love it. Yeah. And I don't know if it's coming back. We're recording this in May of 2021. So I don't know where that's going to be at. But if it does come back, I will be very excited to see it because the things that I understand are movie bad, spin-off books good, musical very good. Interesting. That's at least the the vibe that I have gotten from Percy Jackson fans. Well, so I really want to see it. But the thing is, at the Tonys this year, which were very strange because, you know, Broadway stopped halfway through 2020, they weren't able to fill all the categories with nominations. And so I think there was like a best actor in a musical category was just one guy. Oh. But there was another best actor in a musical and he played Percy Jackson. The Percy Jackson musical got zero nominations despite the fact they literally didn't fill all the categories. That sucks so much. I know. I felt so bad for them. And I was like, I know it's like kind of a kid's thing, but come on. For everyone in any walk of life, if you are judged by any metric of getting an award or a nomination of any sorts and you don't get it, just remember that Paddington 2 was not nominated for any Oscars and Hugh Grant somehow did not win Best Supporting Actor. Thankfully, he got nominated for a BAFTA, but like Paddington 2 is so good. It is an incredible film. Everyone, now that the episode is over, turn this off, turn on Paddington 2. It's a perfect film. Obviously, watch the first one if you haven't seen it first. But like the fact that that got no nominations and then there's other things like Get Out not winning Best Picture. Yeah. There's so many things that you can point to. That makes me very upset. I'm sure that guy did a great job as Percy. Mm -hmm. I know people really like the actor who played Percy in the movie, so maybe there's just, people are out to get Percy-based actors and maybe they'll fix it with this Disney Plus show. Yeah, I'm, I'm very excited to see how that goes. And this is great that you've now inspired me to like reread the series, maybe yes. get the spinoffs. I'll be all ready for when the, I guess it's not a reboot just the new adaptation comes yeah i mean i think that's gonna be fun i think a lot of people will probably use this podcast if all things go right in order to do that and i welcome it and i embrace it and i also embrace rick getting me on in a bit role on the show <laughs> yeah we gotta we gotta start the petition to make that happen i mean the gilmore guys got on the gilmore girls reboot so like I it's know. not impossible it's one of those things where like i fully am aware that the odds of that happening or Rick coming on the show are slim to none, but I also know that they're not impossible. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to see where this takes us, but yeah, I mean, four chapters in and two episodes of the podcast in, I am hooked. I'm already here. There is no grumpy boy start to this podcast. Like I absolutely love it. And I just hope that the books continue to be good because it'll be really sad if this is the opposite of Potterless, where I was like, oh, I didn't like the books at first and now I love them. It would really suck if I was like, this is the best. And then episode 150, I'm like, uh, here's the final chapter of book five. <laughs> like, it would be so disappointing. <laughs> I don't remember well enough, but I do remember that I just read these so fast back to back. So I think that speaks for them continuing to be awesome. I think we're good. And I did, when I was workshopping the names of the podcast, I know that the fifth book is called The Last Olympian, which is why this one's called The Newest Olympian. And I did ask a Percy Jackson fan, do people like the fifth book? Because if I was making a Harry Potter podcast and I named it after Chamber of Secrets or Order of the Phoenix, that would be really <laughs> bad because those are easily the two worst books. So I did double check, like, do people hate book five? And 
that person said no, but also similar to what you said, that person said, I just read them all in one go. So everything's blurred together. So I think that just gives me a lot of hope for this series. I have so much hope for this book series and this podcast, and I'm really excited. And thank you for being such a good guest for these first two episodes. This was fantastic. I'm looking forward to this. This is going to be good. Yeah. I'm stoked. Thank you so much for having me. I can't wait to listen to the rest of the episodes. Mm-hmm. It'll be coming in a couple months from now, but I'm a big planning boy and we recorded this in the past. So <laughs> thank you again for joining listeners. Thanks for listening. I still don't have a catchy catchphrase, but we'll find one naturally. But until then, thank you all again so much for listening. I really, really appreciate it. And I hope you continue along with this journey. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Newest Olympian. This podcast is created, hosted, and produced by me, Mike Schubert. I also run the social media and the website. Our editor is Sherry Guo. The music is by Bettina Campomanes and Brandon Grugel, and the art is by Jessica E. Boyd. If you want to find the show on social media, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Newest Olympian. We also now have a subreddit if you go to reddit.com slash r slash the newest Olympian. If you want to learn more about the show, such as what chapters we are covering in future episodes, you can go to our website, thenewestolympian.com. And if you want to support the show, you can go to thenewestolympian.com slash Patreon and join our Patreon team. You will get access to the Discord and a whole bunch of other fun stuff, and you'll help support the show. Speaking of supporting the show, thank you to our Ultra Gods, our producer-level patrons. Lada Bartova, Kelsey Gillespie, The Damn Steam Nuggets, Emma Cooey, Vicky Garcia, Ellie Hoskovchova, Veronica Bartova, Natanya Page, Haley Hastings, Robin Garcia, Frida Vikstrom, Megan Moon, Tough Bayfong, Moo Moo Productions, Don't Call Me Nymphadora, Olivia Y, Craig McRoberts, Griffin Dork, Taylor Payne, Giselle Salvador, Minke Driessen, Can't I Seaweed Brain, Matt Barger, Peter Johnson, The Twins, Sabrina Balsiger, Mooney B, Bo Pony, Pony, Harlan Christ, Heather McMillan, Casey Canales, Polly Burge, Nikki Harris, Tatiana Schmidt, Sandra Rose, Bridget Lowry, Aiden Lipple, Josh Sayer, Percy Blue, and Joshua Wilkin. If you want to help the show out non-monetarily, spreading the word via word of mouth is essential. If you message a friend who you think would like the show, you say, hey, there's this podcast, The News Olympian, I think you would like it. That really helps. If you do any of those things, thank you so much, but also just thank you so much for listening in the first place. I'm so happy that you're here, and I hope you tune in next week for episode three, where we cover chapter five and a little bit of chapter six of The Lightning thief, but until then, I'll pursue you later. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.